and welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist at Altius Financial, and I'm joined by our founder, Mike Williams. We're both certified financial planners with Altius, and we're going to talk with you today about ESG investing. It's kind of a hot topic, and many of our clients and others really want to know more. Sometimes people will ask us about specific ideas or securities that might fit the description of an ESG-friendly investment, and we're really going to dive into that whole world today. But first, Mike, let's hear about the small print, so to speak. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Mike Williams, and I do want to stress that any discussion that we have on our Capitalized Your Fridays podcast is not meant to be considered advice. Uh, it's general, educational in, nature, educational in nature, and you shouldn't necessarily be acting upon what we say here without getting more competent, expert advice that's tailored to your individual situation. And so we recommend reaching out to any financial advisor or team that you have. And if you don't have one, of course, reaching out, out to us directly is very welcome so that we can see if anything we talk about applies to you and how your individual and unique circumstances might uh, be relevant. You can certainly reach us at taylor at altiusfinancial.com or michael at altiusfinancial.com. Let me spell that out. Sometimes people don't quite get it. Altius is A L. T-I-U-S, as in Sam, and then the word financial. So Altius Financial is one word, .com. So Taylor or Michael at AltiusFinancial.com or the website being AltiusFinancial.com. So I wanted to mention that sometimes we tackle some controversial topics. I know that uh, that's risky on our part. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to give sort of a, sort of a bland, generic uh, overview, don't take any sides, but we don't always do that. Sometimes we, uh, like I said, tackle some controversial topics. And Taylor mentioned that we'll be talking about ESG, which is certainly controversial. Um, and she and I may not agree on everything. We may not agree with our clients, but hopefully it'll be fun and interesting. And we can play devil's advocate a little bit and, and try to explore the issue, at least introduce you to the idea of what ESG investing is and some of its potential and some of its potential downsides. Yeah, that's right. So, well, I come from a little bit of a younger, millennial, more maybe ethical generation <laughs> than you boomers. What? what? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, but it's the the ongoing joke of, okay, well, the older generation ruined things. I'm sure, Mike, you would say, oh, I grew up. Don't be said... calling me old or a boomer right now. <laughs> I guess I no, am a Mike baby boomer. No, Mike can open a PDF. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> We're all good here. Um, mostly jokes, just just saying that typically people look at this as, okay, well, in the last five years, things haven't been going well. Maybe there's been some issues with the, the government and with um, what's going on in the world, and people are thinking, maybe I want to have the views that I have on the society and have the views I have on what's going on um, for our planet really reflected my portfolio. So we can definitely allow people to do that in our portfolios at Altius, but we kind of want to discuss that concept and, well, can ESG investing really even be profitable? Is it a good investment for for potential clients? Um, so let's start off with that, maybe just the de definition for our listeners who might yeah, not you, even Yeah, you mentioned, know. I mean, one of the things I want to make a point about is that uh, our clients are our boss. Um, they get to decide the broad parameters of how we invest their money. 
Um, and so if they're asking for ESG, we'll pay attention to them. Now, obviously, we, we have an investment philosophy that Taylor and I mostly agree on. And uh, I've, I've had a lot more experience than her, but she's gaining experience and having a new perspective. And, and it's important that we challenge each other and our clients. Um, and we, we have, like I said, a philosophy that we talk up front about and uh, want our clients to fit our culture. And so we have, it's, you know, the whole point of having a, certainly a financial advisory relationship is having a win-win uh, kind of relationship where you feel like um, it's working for both sides. That's the ideal. And, um, but you're asking, what is ESG? And, and we use that acronym. We haven't even, uh, even spelled out the words yet, but ESG stands for environment, social, and government, uh, or governance. And it means having, it's sort of a, uh, a trendy thing right now in investing. And it means trying to have your investment portfolio driven by standards other than maybe just pure profitability. So you're looking for a different kind of corporate governance where the company executives are saying, hey, wait, there's a lot of stakeholders here, not just our for-profit shareholders, but lots of different kind of stakeholders. And in one sense, it's connected to the idea of saying, you know, put your money where your values are. But I do believe it has some some real dangers, and in this episode we'll we'll talk about that. I think it's can be mostly a harmful trend because it twists a lot of concepts and confuses the public about the purpose of investing and so forth. Again, I know that's controversial, and that's what why we're uh, here to talk about. I, we think that there should be vigorous debate. Um, it doesn't seem like that right now is happening in the investment community. Most of our peers. Most of the investment companies out there are pushing an ESG message, and most of our peers are kind of just saying, all right, well, that's the trend. I'm going to hop on that bandwagon. And it's my approach, and I think Taylor agrees with this, that we want to make sure that there's transparency, full disclosure, full debate, uh, lots of kind of healthy understanding of what's going on and why a person would be interested in this whole ESG concept or not. Yeah, but so, Mike, don't... Don't you want a better environment and socially good policies? But it's it's interesting because I think everyone agrees that you want cleaner water, cleaner air, healthy earth, more plants, grow the trees. I mean, all the those kinds of things, right? But I don't necessarily want to invest in companies that are polluting the planet and killing our ecosystems. Um, I think it, it's kind of a hard give and take. I mean... Does investing have to be, oh, I'm buying that coal company that is maybe creating some weird cloudy fog in the world, and that's the only way I can make profit for retirement? Weird cloudy fog. <laughs> you know, that's the narrative, right? I mean, that's what that's what uh, um, the people say, and I think a lot of people from your generation were brought up in a school system and a culture that, that does look very skeptically at... Uh, our capitalist system and 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 companies, uh, for-profit companies, and and sometimes they characterize things, characterize or companies as just being greedy bastard exploiters who aren't creating any real value and don't care about their customers or employers and the environment. But I mean, is that the really the best way to make a profit to to kill off your customers and poison them and <laughs> and have a short-sighted view? That that's kind of what you know that, that that's a caricature of the whole thing. But that, but people buy into it as if as if you know, you have real-world people, you know, cor- corporate executives and uh, employees who all are sitting around 
you know, how can we uh, stab people in the back or how can we grab the most short-term profit we can get and then we get out of town or something. And, and that's not how real value, that's not how the real world works and that's not how real value and real profits are, are created. Um, you know, I don't want to necessarily delve too deeply into philosophy. I mean, Taylor, you kind of cut me off if I get too much into it. But, <laughs> but uh, behind all this view that's been taught, like I said, for years in the schools and universities is that capitalism is bad and we need this new way of looking at the markets. We have to have, have government, which ultimately means force involved, since business people are not responsible and too short-sighted. And I, I completely reject that philosophy. My view is that uh, people are generally good unless they're proven to be guilty, and they have good intentions, and people who are trying to make profits are trying to do it in a long-term, thoughtful way because they want their own business to be sustainable. And so I reject the whole idea in the first place. That read its root. Well, so I think the, the real question here for our listeners is, I mean, can investing in ESG lead to good returns? Because I think it seems like you're either saying, okay, well, obviously I want to turn the lights on in our office building, and that's probably going to use coal, and that's probably a good investment because everyone else is doing the same thing. Um, whereas, okay, what if I want to invest in some small recycling company that maybe isn't doing so well and maybe they don't have any profitability? Does that mean that so that I feel better in investing in that recycling company, I'm losing my returns? Do you have to, does it have to be a trade-off or is there a way to still get those returns while, in, while maybe investing not your whole portfolio, but maybe certain aspects of your portfolio into ESG type stuff? Well, and that's that's sort of a debate. You know, there there are people, and I'd say uh, Wall Street, our own industry, is sort of guilty of it in one sense. They've kind of bought into they they don't necessarily lead. They just listen to the trends that are going on, and they realize that lots of people are, have are adopting this new idea of quote sustainability or stakeholder importance um, without really thinking deeply on it. And so they package things up and they say, you know, here's here's a mutual fund that we're, where we're only going to invest in things that are good for the planet or environmentally safe, or here's here's a fund or a package of investments that we're going to say are uh, they're you know all about equality or they're all about social justice or clean energy or whatever it might be. Um, and the question is, are those kinds of things profitable by themselves? Um, and the, the track record is really not so much. I mean, the things that are labeled ESG, I've seen a number of studies on this, and obviously it depends on the studies that you look at. But, but to my, to my test, you know, the test of my own reason, when I'm looking at things like that, they really don't stand up in terms of uh, either criteria. They don't really do what they're advertised. Um, they, if you peel back the onion, it ends up being a lot of lobbying, lobbying for for subsidies or or, or government money, and they really aren't giving you the kind of return that. Um, just going into the marketplace and, and investing with uh, someone who's good, long, got a good long-term track record of investing does. So, well, you know, and it, is that mostly because the ESG you're looking at, like an ESG fund, could you invest in a specific company that you know is profitable? Um, granted, that would likely be a higher risk because you're investing in one company versus a bucket of companies. Yeah, and I think you can do that. I mean, and, and I personally believe that there are plenty of companies out there that produce a product that is considered not ESG, 
but that is actually good and safe for the environment or good and safe and, and long-term uh, focused on long-term value. Um, but even, even the ones that do, that, that do qualify as ESG, there are certainly ones out there that um, do qu qualify under that sort of criteria and are good, uh, good investments and profitable. That what I kind of want to resist is the, the packaging, sort of the package deal that goes along. It's kind of like saying, well, if, we're, if you're not ESG, that must be, mean you're an evil capitalist exploiter. And that package deal is something we should reject because it's amazing how um, to really create wealth means you have to think long term. You have to take care of your employees. You have to add value to your customers. That's, that's the way you actually do create profits. Yeah. And I, so I reject the sort of dichotomy. And part of it's a, a, a view of human nature, right? I mean, I think much of what comes behind the ESG philosophy is that that whole idea of the human nature is, is really bad. And I, and I reject that. I know there are bad people, but I don't reject it as you know, endemic to our nature. Well, so if you're, if you're saying that, okay... Uh, you agree we could have some ESG or socially um, socially motivated type investments that as an individual investment could still be a good opportunity, but the packaging itself is not the good option. What do you advise for younger, newer investors who are saying, well, I want to do something that feels good, but how do I find these companies? Or, well, and do I you would, hire I, an advisor? <laughs> I would definitely hire an advisor, someone who has a, uh, some ability to look at value. Uh, look at whether something is long-term sustainable in terms of profitability and and creating and, and that term profitability has its own kind of negative connotation which is unfortunate um, the better term is rational long-term shareholder value but that boils down to shareholders not quote stakeholders you know when I ask if I asked you um, you know looking at any company you know take take a company that you like I mean, in fact you this, again <laughs> let me maybe I should give a, a couple of disclaimers because I'll mention some names here but you know you Taylor has been successful as an investor in in Starbucks or in Lululemon you know those are big brand names that lots of people have heard of and if you said okay well who are the stakeholders for Starbucks what does that mean yeah who are like the who stakeholders owns the most of it well that's right? shareholders right oh that's true. shareholders are key and that's where I'm saying shareholder maximization you know, long-term value for shareholders is what the purpose of an organization, a profit organization should be, creating wealth. That's the point. And that point was made long time ago by some really good economists. They said the purpose of a corporation is to enhance the long-term profitability and shareholder value. That's now changing. In fact, there's there's the, uh, the American uh, Business Roundtable, which is really put together by a bunch of um, you know, wealthy CEOs who are now trying to change that. They're trying to say, no, that's not the purpose of a corporation. The purpose of a corporation is to take care of uh, sustainability issues and all the shareholders, not the shareholders, but the stakeholders, which is a different concept. Yeah. And if I ask you, you know, who are the stakeholders, not shareholders, but who are the stakeholders in Starbucks? Who are they? I should probably so, know. Well, you know, so there, there, there are the share. You could say the people who the, own the shares of the, of the company, but the, the broader the, like thing the, is they'd say, well, no, it's CEO. the customers. Oh, okay. You know, it's the people who drink the coffee. Okay. And the employees, and the farmers, and then the, the the yeah the farmers they buy coffee beans from, 
and um, you know, I actually recently went to Costa Rica, and I went to uh, a star, the only Starbucks farm in the world. That's interesting. I'm just maybe that's just top of mind right now in the example, but um, so the employees at that farm, and maybe in that community in Costa Rica, right? So yeah. somebody who's uh, you know not employed by Starbucks at all, but who cares about what's happening? But they care Starbucks. about what happens in their community. Yeah. What about the people who? Are not you know they're competitors to Starbucks. You know, they sell beans to um, you know Pete's or somebody else. Are they sh- stakeholders? Do they care? They I do think care. They care. Should we be looking out for the competitors? Not necessarily. You want to. So, so what's the I standard <laughs> for saying okay? Here's who, or if you just said okay, now we're gonna we're gonna um, now. Our coffee drinkers want to pay less. We, they're concerned about all this inflation. We talked about inflation recently. So yeah. all, all the people, and the cost of coffee, as you know, has gone up, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, all the, the customers that we have don't want to um, pay as much as we have to charge for, for the, this coffee that we're making. Um, so you know, they're, they're now saying, we're going to go over to Pete's um, unless you bring your prices down. Okay. So how does a corporate governance stakeholder approach decide what to do? Well, we care about our coffee drinkers. They're stakeholders. Yeah. So we're going to lower prices. That's the answer. Across the board? Yeah, let's, we got to lower our prices across the board because we care about those coffee drinkers. Okay. But what happens to the baristas if we lower our, co- our, our costs or our prices? Their jobs are worth less. Their jobs might be worthless. We may not be able to pay them or give them the same benefits we're giving. Yeah. But what happens to the community? What happens to the stakeholders, the shareholders themselves? I mean, there's no way to really, you know, offset those competing interests that well. So it's a it what it turns into is a very political machine, where you have pressure groups. You have and and now that's what's happening with actually what's happening with Starbucks. I don't know if you saw, but you had oh, really? one shop that unionized. Okay. There's a union. Uh, um, Starbucks store. I can't remember if it's Minnesota or where it is, but the, they now are unionized, and and that's what happens is you start to get these pressure groups where they're saying, we're we're going to collectively bargain, or we're all the different communities that Starbucks operates in, and we're going to pressure them to, you know, make donations to our little uh, charities over here, or and you you end up not having ultimately very good coffee or good prices or a good company. You're going to have a company that can't compete very well. Because everything is driven by price. Well, not because everything's driven by price, but because the competition is is pitting people against each other versus under a shareholder model. You know, supposedly, supposedly the greedy capitalist model. That's actually what actually harmonizes interests. You say, okay, what we're going to do is fight for long-term profitability of the company. So that coordinates all the activities. That makes it so that the shareholders are getting profits. But you can't have profits unless you satisfy customers, unless yeah. you, you know, have really good coffee. This is, this is a great, you know, this is one of the great stories. This Starbucks, this guy, uh, Schultz, who founded them, said, you know, I have this vision of having coffee be a better experience. And he didn't think about, you know, let me think about all the bean growers. Let me think about all the communities on which way I operate. Let me think about all the stakeholders. He thought about, I want to make great coffee, and I want my customers to, to be happy about it. I want them to have a better experience. 
And in doing that, I'm going to have a profitable business and it worked. Now they've gotten bigger and, and they're starting to have the, succumb to some of this ESG pressure. Uh, and they have, they've been, you know, kind of, kind of a, a leader of trying to say, we're going to think longer term about the environment and the sustainability and have, have, and they were doing that on their own. But now we have this culture saying, no, you're not doing enough of it. Uh, and so what you're trying to say is I, the ideal situation is an investment where the company is already doing things that are good for the environment and the community rather than a company that is forced to do those things to fit into a bucket of ESG. Well, certainly that. I mean, and that the, when we talk about governance, um, are we talking about this is how the company can govern their own board as a private property, as a private company? Now, people even get confused by that. Is is Starbucks a public company or a private company? Public. It's publicly traded. Okay. Right? But that's not public. I mean, when you own shares and you, yeah, you know, again, I own shares. And, and this is a, a, a good story because uh, and it, we're doing it in hindsight, so don't take any advice. We're not necessarily saying you should <laughs> buy Starbucks, but... Taylor convinced me that Starbucks was a good company, a good value. And so she helped make a lot of our clients some money by us putting Starbucks in our, in our allocations for a while. Um, and the thing is, that's a publicly traded company, but when it's sitting in your account, Taylor, or when, yeah. you know, Ed or, 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 you know, or Phil, our client, yeah. you know, that, that client, it's sitting in their IRA or their account. Yeah. Whose property is it? Theirs. Okay, Those so shares are not public. Those are your shares. Yeah, so it'd be privately to me held. It's private. It's a private. It's private property. It, it's confusing to people when we say it's publicly traded. That's what okay. we mean by a publicly traded company or public company. We don't mean it's public property. It doesn't mean that you know Congress can say to to Schultz or to Taylor or to Ed or Phil, here's yeah. what you're going to do with your property. Yeah. You get to decide. It's yours. That's what private property means. And that's the beauty of capitalism is it actually through the pricing mechanism and through that that focus on long-term value, long-term win-win relationships actually makes things for better better for people across the board. It actually does help communities. It actually helps um, long-term thinking, sustainability thinking, because you know, it's only the accumulation of wealth that allows people to think longer term that way. And it's, it's the virtuous cycle of wealth production and then creation and long-term thinking that actually serves people. And that's, that's my objection with the ESG, both from a government force standpoint, but even a cultural thing. I mean, it's okay if you, if you want to say, you know, I don't think, I don't think Starbucks is thinking enough about the environment. And so I'm not going to invest in them. That's all fine. But when you have this sort of, uh, cultural thing and certainly government force that are being used to, to either bribe people or lobby people to say we, we have to have this kind of marketing message and feel good policy versus no it's not just about you know short-term emotions it's about long-term value I think that's a problem you know one question that people ask is is ESG investing good for your pocket and the planet well I mean the track record is no just pure ESG labeling that usually means underperformance, you know, those kinds of offerings. And, and that's not to be, that's not a big surprise. I mean, it, it falls directly out of some basic financial concepts. I mean, um, there is this concept, and we've talked about this recently, this concept, concept about charity. If you have a cause that you care about, there are private charities out there who will probably be better 
that actually furthering that cause than a company that's confused about are they trying to make a profit or are they trying to I mean a financial profit and try or trying to do good in the world in, in various ways and succumbing to different pressure groups. So it may be better to separate the two and say, I'm investing focused on, okay, I want to have good companies, maybe avoid companies that you can't handle their, their politics, but primarily focusing on investing in sound, profitable companies and then taking the excess and then gifting that to charities because you know that's going to go to what you want it to. Yeah, I think that's a lot wiser approach than, than trying to have a, a sort of ESG overlay under your portfolio. And again, um, we are very open to clients saying, this is my view. Um, I'm against industry X or industry Y or company X or Y, and I want to exclude them from my portfolio. But we, we generally don't like to have our hands tied. We think that uh, the public markets, the public publicly traded markets for private property shares are uh, a great way to protect and grow wealth. They're one of the best ways in history to protect and grow wealth, and that's been um, a very successful um, approach to, to building your own security instead of trying to have this um, sort of feel-good agenda overlay. And, you know, I, I'm all for feeling good about my investments. I don't want to invest in in uh, organizations that are um, against my values. So I think that's important for people to express. But I, I want to push back on, you know, is the, there's this big proliferation of products and marketing by Wall Street itself um, to package these kinds of things up. And, you know, a lot of times they're higher fees. A lot of times they're, uh, um, they're not necessarily going toward the causes that people think they are. We have tools that we, we try to use to say, are, is this company actually doing what they say they're doing with regard to some of these issues? I mean, there are screening tools uh, that we have available, and we can help analyze a, a client's portfolio or, or someone's portfolio to be able to see how it measures up to an ESG standard. But I, again, want to push back on that being the only criteria that someone would have. I mean, one of the one of the uh, the aspects is political, um, you know, sustainable investing, and again, that's sort of the ESG, uh, another feel good word for thinking ESG, uh, sustainable investing versus private property and private markets. They spring from two different views, two different roots, and they they seem to gravitate in opposite directions politically. Um, which is unfortunate. I mean, sustainability supposedly means left, you know, kind of liberal or left-leaning. Its proponents argue that the investment world places too much focus on maximizing short-term profits and and that there's more concern that should be given to the broader set of, quote, stakeholders, companies, employees, its partners, its clients, the communities that it serves, and the environment, of course, that uh, from which it takes its resources. Um on the flip side, you have the private property, private equity um, that's more about free markets, independent thinking, letting people do what they want with their private, own private property. And, and that's where the modus concentrates shareholder power by rewarding uh, good long-term wealth creation. Um, and again, it's it's difficult. I mean, people don't realize how hard it is to create a company like that that 
that thinks long term and creates creates wealth that way. And, but that's that's what the capitalist system actually encourages and, and rewards is is someone who thinks long term. We can there's countless examples of companies where they're they maybe didn't make money for a long time. They were you know, reinvesting profits, reinvesting earnings, and and creating value for their customers and their shareholders, and that's really the ideal situation. So, in some cases, it might be that you can invest in something that's good for the environment and the world, but it's not immediately profitable. It's more of a long term. You've got to be willing to hold it. That can be. That profitable. can be the case. Now, the the question is, who gets to decide? I mean, as a shareholder, it's my property. Yep. And I get to say, okay, I want this company to be doing this, and I'm fine if they're not profitable for a long time. Yeah. Or no, I want to see immediate profits, or I want to see more, um, you know, that it's going to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's very easy to lose money. It's <laughs> e- very easy for for someone to say, oh, here's a great idea, and I'm going to save the world, and um, I'm going to make the planet better, I'm going to make social justice better, but they don't know how to do it. And there's a a great leadership coach who I recommend, um, Stephen Covey, who who is most famous for his book, The The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't know if you've read that before. We've talked about some. But he has this sort of quick little quote or, or phrase that he says, no margin, no mission. And what he means by that is that if you can't be profitable, if you can't have a profit margin, then you're not going to be around to save the world. You you can't actually accomplish your mission. Whether your mission is to save the world or build a better mousetrap or build a better rocket ship or or make better coffee, you're not going to be able to do it unless you actually can do it efficiently, unless you can actually serve lots of people, unless you can serve a larger market, unless you can grow, unless you can make profits. And I think that's a wonderful way to sum up, you know, that's the key thing. It's an integration of um, harmonious interests that, that the profit motive actually does. And, and more people should understand that better and not vilify these companies who've created so much value. I know it's popular, sort of trendy to, to talk, talk down the profit motive, but I think that's a dangerous trend and we should, we should fight back or at least challenge it. Yeah, so we should we should want our if we have a environmentally productive company, we should want them to be profitable as well. Absolutely, yeah. Now, so the positive case for ESG is, in my mind, mostly marketing, mostly feel good, with certain exceptions. And again, I'm perfectly willing to listen to clients on anything that they want in their portfolios. I might push back if I don't think it's in their profitable interest, and I think they appreciate that. You know, the, on the on the downside, there's some definite problems. I mean, the marketing aspect of ESG funds sort of smacks of you know Wall Street cynical and occasionally meaningless jargon, in my mind, aimed mainly at, at just kind of gathering assets, and that's part of the the business that we're in. But but um, our our position is that it isn't just about being a gatherer of assets; it's about being a good steward of those assets. Um, and you know, the wild proliferation of these funds is just, you know, we kind of push back against Wall Street when they're, when they're pushing that. And as I said, there, there's this ac- ad- academic research and work that has found most ESG funds are not really doing a good job of selecting the companies with, for example, low carbon emissions or you know, positive social justice policies. 
but rather they're more likely to favor high lobbying expenditures. And as I said before, worst of all, they underperform. They don't really, they don't really do well. Now again, I think there are certain exceptions, as I said, and we and we we try to place our place our bets in our client portfolios that where where we can get you know both some good uh, long-term sustainability, both in terms of profits and and their policies, um, and working for a better world. So thanks everyone for listening to our podcast. Just a quick reminder, we are doing our Terminology Tuesdays, so we invite you to tune into that on our Facebook and Instagram platforms. Um, all of our platforms are saved as Altius Financial. That's all typed in one word. So if you have any questions about any of the terms that we do bring up, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions about our podcasts or any ideas for future podcasts please reach out to us, michael at altiusfinancial.com or taylor at altiusfinancial.com. You can also check out our website at www.altiusfinancial.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Fridays, everybody.